You can write amazing code. You can learn patterns and frameworks. But that won't help you know how to deal with a boss who's a huge jerk. For that, you need soft skills. Soft skills engineering. It takes more than great code to be a great engineer. This is the Soft Skills Engineering Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Smith, and on the guitar and vocals, Jameson Dance, your musical guest. <laughs> Welcome. How are you doing, Jameson? Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped now because I just performed and that always gets yeah. the blood flowing, you know? ready to go take on the world oh i have one announcement before we start too uh so i have um struck out on my own as an independent consultant i am looking to help teams and and clients build good software build good teams uh i'm I'm kind of a back-end front-end generalist with an emphasis in javascript on the technical side and then I, I can do a bunch of other stuff besides that too. So if you are interested in working with me, I would love to hear from you. Um, you can, probably the best way is just tweet at me uh, or DM me. I'm at Jurgison on Twitter. And uh, that's the end of my shameless self-promotion. There you go. So JavaScript on the technical side and soft on the soft skills side. Soft on the soft side, yep. Or hard on the soft skills. I don't know. G- good on the soft side and the word <laughs> side. <laughs> <laughs> he words good and codes good. Yes. Well, uh, Jameson, I think we have a story from a listener about getting fired. We these do. keep and rolling I, in. I love that they keep rolling in. I mm-hmm. hope that this keeps happening because these are these are great for lots of reasons. So I will uh, I will interpret this one. I will sometimes read it and sometimes summarize stuff. So my second job out of college had me doing quality assurance work for a company that promised upward mobility into a full developer position. As an aside, this is a thing I hear a lot that you move from QA to mm-hmm. development. And I hear very uh, mixed results about it actually happening. Hmm. Sometimes it does, sometimes it does not. Um, About 11 months in, we did our weekly Monday stand-up meeting, and I spoke about some plans we had three months out. Tuesday afternoon, I got the we need to talk talk from my manager who dropped the company no longer needs your services before immediately piecing out and letting HR finish the process. Oh. Yeah, that's... When the HR person steps in the room... (laughs) Yeah, nothing good happens after that. Uh, It was a huge shock because I'd been working hard and never heard anything negative from my manager. It was also a big hit to my ego and self-confidence because I kept asking myself if there was anything I could have done differently. Mm -hmm. That is very understandable and also very Mm -hmm. common among all the stories, I think. Yep, so far. Uh, A few weeks later, I spoke with a senior programmer still there who said several other employees had been fired in the weeks and repeated several times it wasn't my fault, which I really needed to hear at the time. Our only guess was that there was some real shady financing situations uh, going on at upper management. Um, there you go. Yeah. So, so shady basically, financing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if it had to be like shady or malicious, but it could have just been they were running out of money and they needed yeah. to cut costs. Yeah. Um, it, it definitely sounds like, I mean, no one said you did a bad job and you got fired. And the fact that other people were laid off, that definitely feels like, a cost-cutting thing, which sucks to go mm-hmm. through, but but it's a little bit better for your ego. Yeah, your ego can heal faster. 
I've, if it was budgets. Yeah, I've I've been in a place where uh, we went through a cost cutting like that, and I was not let go, but several of my friends were, and uh, it was super sad. I mean, the people that were still there were sad, the people that were gone were sad, and they asked mm-hmm. themselves those same questions, like, why me? What did I do? Mm-hmm. And there's, uh, there's usually a long chain of events leading up to that that mm-hmm. have little to do with your individual performance on the job. I think when it comes to self-confidence, it's actually better if the whole company goes out. That's so true. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Not that it's better for the people, but at least self-confidence wise. Well, the best thing for your self-confidence is if you quit and then the whole company goes out. (laughs) Later, suckers. Yeah. And then you can say, see, I knew you couldn't do it without me. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Anonymous, thank you for your story. I I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. All right. Do we have some questions today? We sure do. Uh, do you want to do the first one? Sure. This first question is titled, how to health insurance. My employer offers health insurance as a benefit, but the information is so full of jargon that I can't figure out what's a good option for me. What does all this stuff mean? Oh, prepare yourself. <laughs> That's what it means. <laughs> So first off, I think you and I both wanted to say this. We only know stuff about the U.S. healthcare system Mm -hmm. Um, and then we just hear like these glorious legends of the European and Canadian systems. (laughs) Uh, I hear, I hear both glorious legends and, uh, whatever the opposite of glorious legend is. Yeah. (laughs) Depending on people's political leanings. Depends on whether you are asking on Facebook or Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so this is all very specific to the U S and it's likely to be very different outside of your country. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and also the fact that you're getting it through your employer is different from lots of people who are, um, insuring themselves. I'm actually going through this right now as, as part of starting up my company, uh, getting insurance for myself. And I can Mm -hmm. confirm that it's the worst. (laughs) It is the worst. It's, it's very nightmarish. I was talking to Dave earlier about this novel called the trial by Kafka. Um, and this this is the like definition of Kafka-esque, just you're a part of this huge machine, like an unfeeling bureaucracy that's trying to grind you up and at the same time doesn't care about you. It's like this weird combination of of being utterly uh <laughs> utterly insignificant and also they they will charge you huge sums of money if you get it wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so <sighs> everything's fine that's what that's what i mean to say (laughs) everything is fine everything is fine nothing will go wrong also on disclaimer land we should probably say it is probably a felony for us to give health insurance advice i'm just i'm just guessing (laughs) yeah this is not legal advice or illegal advice it's probably illegal advice it's entertainment (laughs) this is just entertain for entertainment purposes only yeah, if you just want to kick back and relax and listen to some people chat about healthcare, <laughs> you've come to the right podcast. And just don't do anything they say. Yeah. Uh, do, do you want us to talk about the marketplace or do you want to stick purely to kind of stuff that will apply if your employer is providing well, all the benefits? Let's go with employer benefits, employer health insurance benefits. Okay. I mean, the first thing is um, your employer can provide you a plan, but that doesn't necessarily mean they pay the premiums. So mm-hmm. they, they can have some deal. Wait a minute, wait a minute. What is a premium? Come on. Oh, a premium, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's what you pay to get insurance. You pay a monthly chunk of money to the insurance company and then they guarantee you some kind of services, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's like your fee. That's the fee you give the insurance company. It doesn't do anything mm-hmm. besides buy the insurance. Yep. 
And and your company might pay that. They might not. They might pay some chunk of it and then offer a mm-hmm. range of plans, some of which are more expensive than than the amount that they pay and you pay the difference. So kind of figuring out that is the first step. Um, there seems to be a relationship between the size of the company and the amount of the premium that the company will pay. For example, uh, well, actually, you know what? I'm, I'm going to have to backpedal on that. I've seen tiny companies pay the whole premium. I've seen giant companies do like a 50-50 thing where the employee pays half mm-hmm. and the employer pays half. Uh, and then I've seen giant companies pay more. I don't think I've ever seen a giant company pay the whole premium. Yeah. I've. Uh, this is total hearsay, but someone told me that that giant companies, they generally have their own insurance plan where they just, yeah. when you pay the premium, you're actually just paying it to the company. Yeah, they, they take that to your own self employer and self insured, right? Yeah, and then and then if you have health expenses, the company pays them, but they, they have all this money saved up yes. supposedly from the premiums you pay. Yeah, I've seen that too. So it's like they actually hire a company to administer this pool of money. It's a giant fund that all mm-hmm. the employees are putting money into. I guess that doesn't mm-hmm. affect you that much though. Not really. You can't tell the difference. Yeah. Um uh, maybe the second most important thing is figure out your health situation. If you have very low health care needs, if you don't really see a doctor and it's not because you're stubborn and, and lazy, it's actually because you don't need to see a doctor, uh, you have very different health care needs than someone who maybe has some kind mm-hmm. of chronic condition or takes regular medication or has regular appointments with specialists. So usually there's a range of plans, some of which have low premiums, but if you need to use them, it will cost you more money out of pocket. Uh, or other plans who have higher premiums, but more is covered. Mm-hmm. Um, and and if you're very healthy, a low premium, that's always a gamble, right? Because if you get in a horrible accident and you have these giant yeah. expenses, then that'll usually cost you more. But, but if that doesn't happen, then you'll save money if you pick a, a low premium plan. Insurance is basically gambling with it the totally future. Is. It totally is. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. But it's like it's like reverse gambling. You're like saying, I'm going to put a bunch of money in just in case. You know, it's not like you win <laughs> if you get, well, a, get in an accident. No, I mean. I win. <laughs> you you can say that. And then um, if, if your insurance plan is high deductible, there's some number. Uh, sorry, we should probably talk about a deductible. Do you want to define that? Sure, I'm going to give it a shot. So the deductible... Remember, illegal advice. Yes, this is illegal. The deductible is an amount of money that you must spend, usually in a calendar year, before insurance benefits will start to kick in and pay for stuff. So for example, if you have a $2,000 deductible plan, you will have to spend 2000 bucks before insurance will start to cover anything uh, on your health needs and that's in addition to your premiums your premiums don't count that's like going and getting medication or paying a Mm -hmm. hospital bill or something Mm -hmm. exactly so if i have a ten thousand dollar hospital bill and my insurance says i cover 90 percent of all your healthcare needs well that's only true on the eight thousand dollars that you spend above the two thousand dollars so you'll end up spending two thousand dollars plus i'm gonna do math in public seven hundred and twenty (laughs) dollars Seems on fine. the remaining eight thousand um, for that ten thousand dollar bill. So that ten thousand dollar bill, if you had no other expenses that year, would end up costing you two thousand seven hundred twenty dollars. Math. It checks out. Okay. Because <laughs> I trust so that, you. Math is based on trust, really. <laughs> math is a feeling more than anything else. 
yeah. So if your plan is high deductible, you can Google the 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 cutoff. But if it's a high enough deductible, you have access to something called a health savings account. Mm-hmm. And this is uh, it's a way for you to put away money tax free that can later be used to pay for health care expenses. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it pays for premiums. I think you can only use it to pay for like doctor's visits and stuff like that. I think you can use it for premiums on for future health plans, but that's kind of in the esoteric realm. That's super illegal, what he just said. <laughs> um, <laughs> and the Am other I going cool, to jail? <laughs> the other cool thing about HSAs is you can invest them uh, in, in like index funds or stock markets or really? whatever. Oh, I haven't done that. Yeah, and, and then uh, so eventually there's a there's a point sometime it's some age i don't know 60 65 where if you have money left in there you can take it out tax-free so then it's basically just like a tax-free investment account um so if if you are healthy and you have access to to savings um an hsa is a great way to uh avoid paying taxes on the money that you spend on healthcare if you end up needing it and if you don't end up needing it, it's a really great way to save for retirement because you can get returns on your investment and then you take it out without having to pay taxes on it ever, both when you put it in and take it out. The other benefit to an HSA is that many times your employer will actually contribute money into the HSA for you. Mm-hmm. Um, not all employers do this, but and sometimes it's not well documented on the insurance information that you get from HR when you start a new job. So always ask that question. I have found that at every company I've looked at that has an HSA, I have to ask. They don't usually volunteer that. And I I don't think it's malicious. I just think it's just it's a weird uh, responsibility because the insurance company doesn't know or care whether the employer puts money in your HSA. Mm-hmm. So it has to come from like a different source of documentation from like your actual benefits people at your company. Yeah. And so. and it's it's untaxed, right? It's tax-free. So Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's super untaxed. Great. Um, it can make your taxes slightly more difficult to do, as I have found, <laughs> where yeah. I've actually had to file an amended return twice because uh, a certain unnamed tax preparation application screwed it up. But anyway. <laughs> we can't say the name because that would be more illegal. It rhymes with Furbo tax. So I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say the name. <laughs> oh, Furby tax. Yeah. <laughs> that That's like a toy tax preparation program combo, right? That's right. Uh, so yeah, again, HSAs are, um, if your employer contributes, it can help make the difference between, uh, if a plan is worth it or not for you. Um, Mm -hmm. it can, but if you're super healthy, they're kind of a no brainer to me. If you're not, then you, especially if your employer contributes, gotta look at it. I guess, um, one more thing I would say is, uh, benefits are, I think a hugely undervalued part of total compensation for a job and i i didn't really i had heard it but i didn't feel it in my gut until i quit my job <laughs> i was paying for all my own yeah. benefits it's it's easy for your employer to spend 30 grand a year on benefits for you health and and 401k and hsa contributions and stuff uh yep so that's a i think an important thing to look at when you're applying for jobs is the benefit could like you could say this person will pay me 10 grand more in salary, but if the benefits are way worse, then that could end up costing you more money. I've had that happen, actually, that very scenario mm-hmm. um, where I went to interview. This is like 10 years ago, and um, it was like a $10,000 raise. And I was like, sweet. And then I looked at the insurance. And I'm like, this is going to cost me 10000 bucks a, yeah. um, a year. Yeah. It was terrible. 
Uh, I mean, I could talk about this forever. Our listeners probably <laughs> don't want to hear me talk about health insurance forever. Are there any other high points you think we should hit, yeah. Dave? What the crap is a copay? Is that uh, the same thing as a premium? The copay is not the premium. So usually when you go to a, a doctor, just your normal family doctor, um, they charge a certain amount of money for your visit, but the insurance will pick up everything but the copay. And that's usually like $25 or $50. It's usually some like nice round number. Yes, it's a fixed dollar amount. It's not a percentage. Yeah. So, so it basically means if you go to the doctor, you pay the copay. And, yep. and everything else just goes to your insurance. And this some, is like, oh, go ahead. This is like if you're sick, you have a cold, you want to go to the doctor, maybe get some antibiotics or something, you pay a copay. Mm-hmm. You, and usually there's a copay for the doctor, and there's also a separate copay for things like the emergency room that's like 10 times the cost. Yeah, uh, that, that depends on plans. Yeah, some plans don't have that, but that's what a copay is. So I, don't, I really don't understand why it's called a copay. Because um, you both pay. Yeah, but together. Then why? Like you both pay for everything. I just, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I, I never got it. But. I, yeah, and and some plans uh, they won't offer the copay until you meet your deductible, and some really? plans, yeah, oh, yeah, some plans um, <sighs> they the copay is the same no matter where you are in your deductible thing. All right, let's talk in network and out of network. Like, is that like internet and outranet? Uh. Sure. <laughs> I have no witty <laughs> remark to accompany that. Besides, oh. yes. So in-network, out-of-network. So apparently health insurance providers have negotiated deals. It's basically price gouging as near as I can tell. Or like, that's, or like nat- that's the summary of everything with insurance. It's basically <laughs> someone is, is getting a lot of money somehow. And, and it's not you. They have said, if you go to this doctor, we will cover X percent of your, of your bill. Uh, but if you go to this other doctor, we will not cover, we will cover a lower percent or 0% of your bill. And one time, I'm just going to tell you a story that makes me so frustrated. We went and looked up a doctor on our health insurance website because that's how you find out if they're in network. And then I went to the facility where this doctor, where their office is, where they were practicing, and I got my service. And then later I got a bill. And from the insurance company saying, this doctor is out of network. And I said, no, she's not. She's right here on your list. And they said, oh, yeah, she's on the list. But that building she was in that day is not. <laughs> I was like, are you freaking kidding me? Yeah. So, usually usually doctors work at multiple different places. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. often, you're right, the deals are with the, the facilities, not, not the, the doctor. individual doctors. The search stuff for that is just garbage. It's yeah. It's so bad. So that's in-network versus out-of-network. And on an HSA, it usually doesn't matter that much, but I think they have separate deductibles for in-network and out-of-network. So like you might have a $5,000 deductible for in-network and a separate $10,000 deductible for out-of-network. And so depending on what kind of facility you go to for the different service, you might actually be tallying up two deductibles in the calendar year. Yeah. Um. I'm about out of stuff. I know we wanted to talk about employer-specific things, but one thing I would say about the non-employer stuff, the open marketplace stuff, is mm-hmm. in in my experience, generally the plans are not as good as what I've received through employers. They cost like, me more money and they cover less oh, for really? that amount of money. Really? I think that varies widely on your location, but at least where I am, the plans aren't very good. Hmm. Uh, 
so be be grateful <laughs> for your <laughs> employer providing you insurance. So this might be a little too philosophical, but isn't it weird that our employers provide insurance? It's it's so weird. Yeah, it's bizarre. Like, it really locks you into a job. Yeah. You know, cha- changing jobs, one of the hardest parts is figuring out the new health insurance. Especially if you use your insurance, if you have relationships with doctors mm-hmm. and then you you get a different job and they're not covered, then you have to decide, do I want to pay the extra fee or do I just shake up everything and get new doctors? And yeah, it really, uh, it makes the labor market less liquid is this the, the smart words I'm going to use mm. to describe it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's kind of, I mean, that's kind of an argument for consulting. And that's part of my attraction to it is I decide uh, everything. Yeah. Like everything is transparent to me. All the costs are up front. Yeah. And I I work for a company and do a service for them and they pay me for the service. And there's not this weird paternal relationship where like, we will provide care for your family. Like, no, I I do that. You just pay me the money you you would have spent on that (laughs) and I will spend it myself. Actually, most, you know, when I think about that, I've often thought, I wish my company would just give me the money that they would spend on health insurance for me. But now that you mentioned that all the plans are crappier and more expensive, maybe not. <laughs> At least in Utah, they are. Okay. Uh, uh, we, we're, we're getting more philosophical, but there's something about like being given a gift versus money that makes you feel good. So maybe that's part of it. It, mm-hmm. it engenders more goodwill towards the company it because be. they're providing okay. something for you that even though it correlates with money it isn't really money and yeah i don't know there's all kinds it's it's weird also you don't get taxed on the money the company spends on your behalf to buy you health insurance yeah so this is true that's all i that's all i can stomach talking about health insurance (laughs) you should see your doctor about that (laughs) Ah, co-pays deductibles networks Ugh. there's an infinite amount of stuff we didn't even talk about but yeah. um one thing i would say is uh it's overwhelming at first it's definitely possible to understand it it just takes a lot of work so mm-hmm. if if you need health care or you suspect you might need it in the future it's definitely worth time to to check if you're superhuman uh then you might be able to get away just saying give me the cheap thing and i won't ever spend any money on it mm-hmm. here's the good news I have had so many engineering friends who just really geeked out on comparing and, and window shopping the different insurance plans, and they'll discover all these little nooks and crannies in the in the plan and then bring them to light, and it's just the best. So good news is you're an engineer. Who, if you're listening to this, you probably are, and uh, you probably have peers who have done a lot of exploration. <laughs> At least that's been my experience, more so than any other kind of person in any company. The engineers seem to really dissect the stuff. Sure. Well, should we uh, get away from this as fast as possible? Yes. Run away. <laughs> Question answered. No deductible met. Yep. Back to legal territory. All right. All right. Uh, I will read the next question. This is from a listener named Grant Seltzer. Seltzer, right? Yeah, like the water. Yep. 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 Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's the person. Thanks, How Grant. can I get started contributing to open source projects? All right. Good question. Open source. Popular topic. Much like health insurance. Yep. We will probably not break any laws. Let's be honest. We probably already have. <laughs> uh, so first I would ask, why do you want to contribute to open source? There is this feeling, I think, in programming that it's kind of a moral thing. 
like you are you are good if you contribute to open source and you are bad if you don't i think that's kind of garbage i think open source can have value and and not contributing can also have value so do do you think there's like a feeling that you owe it's like this is how you give back as a programmer oh yeah there's some of that and some of it is like you're not cool unless you contribute to open source mm-hmm. and all of the cool people do contribute to open source and it's kind of like this weird click and uh Open source is awesome, and I'm so glad it exists. I, I have a problem when people feel pressured into doing it or they think they have to because that's what everyone cool does. I think if mm-hmm. you want to do it, then then that's awesome. But but I've talked to people that feel like I have to do this to get a job or like to be to be loved. <laughs> I just oh, want to be loved. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. So so like your company uses it or you are excited about it, or you know the people that run the project, or um, you, you'd like it as a hobby. Like there are tons of valid reasons. I would just say, make sure you, you have a reason beyond I want Twitter followers or whatever. <laughs> I want to be considered cool by, by the least cool group of people on the planet. <laughs> let's, let's be honest. <laughs> if you really want to be considered cool, you need to go take up smoking because everyone <laughs> knows that cool kids smoke. <laughs> With a vape pen now? Is that what Oh, yeah, on? that's true. You got to vape. Uh, now we're illegal again. Dave, we just... <laughs> give, me, give me some advice. So uh, I, I actually only have contributed to open source projects out of necessity. So like I'll be using a project as part of my work and I'll find a bug or a feature that I really want and I will submit a pull request to the project. And I've done that maybe a dozen a dozen times or so in the last about five years um does that make me cool you're already cool oh i thought oh okay sorry i thought you were saying you had to do open source to be cool but i guess i misunderstood oh well i was saying that (laughs) but there's an exception for dave no okay (laughs) you can't try and apply logic to my jokes (laughs) sorry i actually haven't i haven't done too much open source um and in fact, it seems like the people I know who do the most open source are actually employed full-time working on it. Has that been your experience? That's Jameson? definitely true for like Linux kernel stuff and for mm-hmm. I would say the more popular JavaScript frameworks especially. Mm-hmm. Uh I guess for Rails too. I mean, the the big contributors are generally Basecamp employees. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh but I think there are projects which are really are just works of love. Yeah. Oh, there definitely are. We know about, I know about several of them from people I know. Yeah. But I would say it's evenly split, but there are people that get paid to do it for for money. So that's a great way to contribute. <laughs> Go get hired get at Facebook and work on React or whatever, or Google and work on Angular. Um, there you go. I have similar experiences to you where I'm not an open source wizard. Uh, it's not what I go home at night and do. I have contributed. It's generally been to scratch an itch. Or the other uh, thing is if I'm just learning a project and I see there's like a weird bug or there's something confusing in the documentation. Uh, that's kind of the extent of my contributions. Um, so you've done documentation uh, uh-huh. contributions? Yeah, oh, cool. I have. Do, um, do you think that's a pretty good way to get started? It's very low cost, and it's also you avoid bike shedding, right? If there is a typo in the docs, it's a pretty clear and mm, easy okay. merge. And and lots of times, um, t- 
to do like a big complex feature. That's kind of what people imagine is contributing to open source. And I would say that's like the one percenter <laughs> open source contributor style um, because it needs so much effort from the core team and mm -hmm. and there's a lot of context you need to understand, which takes a long time to build up. But just to get started, yeah. documentation, bug fixes, those are those are easy ways to get started that are um, generally accepted much more easily, I think. I agree. In fact, there's there's probably a ladder of ease of acceptance and ease of getting in, and it probably starts with documentation. And then the next step up is probably ancillary stuff around a project. Like, for example, uh, I, I submitted a pull request to the Angular project a year or two ago to add a sm very small feature to their unit test framework so that I could test a certain kind of HTTP request or something. And it was like super easy, no-brainer. It got accepted. Um, that's like one step up from documentation is like unit testing tools around the periphery of the project. Sure. What, what do you think would be like the next easiest thing to do? Oh, I don't know if I have a defined ladder in my head. I mean, uh, like build stuff is always breaking every oh, yeah, time new yeah, yeah. new software comes out or a new OS comes mm -hmm. out or something. So, mm -hmm. and that's a lot of stuff you can encounter on your own, right? Like I tried to use yeah. it and it didn't work and then I fixed it and now it does and here's what I changed. Yeah, a lot of times that'll involve getting help from the project maintainers, but then you can submit the request to actually get it incorporated in. Oh that's yeah. Good point. And that's, good point. A, that's a larger point in that the maintainers love it when people do stuff for them uh it's it's such a relief when someone does a thing that is uncontroversial and just like a pure good mm -hmm. like it was broken mm -hmm. and now it is not broken even if yeah, they have like, to hold your hand through doing it yeah exactly like on the latest version of mac os here's a fix that makes it work and then boom it's like beautiful mm -hmm. yeah i um oh, go ahead i was gonna say that the next well, go you go ahead on the build thing because i have the next tier i think no that's all that's it it's the build thing that's it so I think that another easy way to contribute is to find a project that is very like plug-in architecture centric because sometimes it's really hard to jump into the core of a project and there's so much you have to understand, so much context. But but a lot of these projects will have little plugin architecture and you'll be able to say like, I'm gonna work on this plugin. Like just maybe it's an integration with Slack or something or you know something very narrow in scope and you don't have to worry about like 17 use cases with like esoteric requirements, right? You can just focus on this one little thing. And so I've actually, mm -hmm. I contributed a plugin to an open source project uh, about 10 years ago actually. And it was great because I had this well-defined area that my code could work in and I knew I didn't have to worry about concerns from all over the globe instead i could just focus on my one thing yeah so that was a nice that was nice and the 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 people that run the project love that too because it it's kind of validation for them anything that's oh. creating an ecosystem around their project just they they love to see that because it shows them people are using it and it makes it more mm -hmm. viable and it's it's good marketing for them yeah that's awesome um can we skip a bunch of steps and say the last rung is creating your own open source project yeah yeah uh-huh uh, no, no, the last rung is creating an open source project and then it becomes wildly popular and you can't, <laughs> you can't possibly keep up with it anymore. <laughs> yeah. Open source burnout is a real thing. One of my good friends is a maintainer of a, well, the creator and maintainer of a fairly large project and he is, he lives a life. I do not envy <laughs> constant harassment from strangers for free work from him is, is how I would summarize <laughs> his nights and weekends. Oh, so sad so be careful what you wish for open source fame is the monkey's paw of software oh sweet metaphor thank you what does that mean <laughs> uh have you heard the monkey's paw story mm -hmm. where it's it's like this i don't even know where it comes from but someone finds a monkey's paw 
It's got a certain number of fingers. Each finger grants a wish, but the wish is fulfilled in a way that you hate. Like if you wish to be rich, like your whole family dies in a horrific accident, and then the company that killed your family has to pay like death benefits or something. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. So it's all it's all like you get the thing you asked for, and it is horrible. Okay. And that's the monkey's what a, paw. What a positive episode for me today. I am full of <laughs> just joy and light. So does the monkey's paw pay your insurance deductible? Like, <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it gets you this great plan that you really end up needing when all of your limbs just fall off all of a sudden. Oh, yeah. boy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I think... Let's go back a little bit. Just let's go to really tactical. Like, how do I get started? I think the number one step that you almost definitely have to do in 99% of cases is create a GitHub account. Like, that's how you get started. Sure. Right? I mean, I I am hard-pressed to think of an open source project these days that is not on GitHub. Yeah, probably some hipster project. <laughs> it's, probably, it's probably there, but I don't know what it is either. So GitHub account. And then number two, I would say, is focus on projects that you use. I've heard several people say that they have a really hard time working on projects that they don't actually use, Mm -hmm. including projects that they started, which became popular, and which they then stopped using for whatever reason. Oh, yeah. They're like, like, I don't have any way to do this. So you really got to focus on things that you use yourself. I've even had pull requests I submitted to a project in the past, and then I stopped using that project before the pull request got accepted, and then a bunch of discussions happened on it, and I'm like, eh, I don't really care, you know? It's just hard to really push it over the finish line. Yep. So focus on what you use. Yeah. I mean, do you want to talk at all about starting your own open source project, or do you you want to Uh, save that for another day? Let's save that for another day, I think. Okay. That's a way, uh, that's a secret bonus episode you can unlock for <laughs> giant piles of money. <laughs> cool. So, did we cover it, you think? Yeah. Uh, one more thing. A lot of projects, this is an area that has gotten a lot of attention recently, and a lot of projects are putting special care into curating lists of oh, issues yeah. that are marked first-timers only, kind of. Mm-hmm. So, if you're if it's a first time you're contributing to open source, they're, they'll, they'll, they'll put a lot of effort into documenting, here's exactly what you need to do, and and way more effort than it would have taken them just to fix it. But mm-hmm. they want people to get involved in the project and, and to enjoy it. And hopefully that pays off with more contributors over the long run. So it definitely helps them. But it's a cool idea that uh, there's there's more of a support system now for getting started than there used to be. So often so, you can just look at a project you use, look for first-timer issues or, or new yeah. contributor issues, and then you just do what it says in the issue. And it's pretty... Uh, pretty mechanical almost so yeah it kind of is actually i have a funny story about that (laughs) so a mutual friend of ours has an open source project and he uh created a first timers only um branch on the project and then he made a failing unit test and the the task was make this test fail and it was a pretty straightforward change or so it seemed and so he got someone who contributed to it and then i went and looked at the pull request and i'm ashamed to admit i bike shedded it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i totally did i was like what about this case <laughs> welcome to open source bam i felt bad but it was like i don't even know why i bothered honestly i, I wasn't even a user of the project but i'm like <laughs> i just it's like this you know that there's like that part of your brain where you're like oh there's a potential mistake here i can't let this go yeah you know that that part of the brain took over errors and have snuck into the world and i will stamp like, them out 
it was like four or five comments back and forth. And I think it resulted finally in, in the maintainer actually like reverting the first timers commit and oh, then replacing it. I just, I'm like, I completely missed the point. Dave like, Smith, yeah. patron saint of oh, man. <laughs> open oh, source man. contributions. Anyway, I felt bad, but at the same time, the project was better off. <laughs> <laughs> Classic bike shed. Uh, so anyway. maybe what I would take from that story is, uh, it takes effort, right? And there might be obstacles, technical or social or whatever. And even Or there might be obstacles like someone named Dave. <laughs> even the great Dave Smith, famed nice person and good human being. Uh, he might has, block you. <laughs> has inadvertently made someone's contribution more difficult. And and that's just <laughs> so part sorry. of it. I, uh, yeah, you, you got it. I, I, people burn out from that kind of stuff. Um, they, they absolutely do. And if I had read the C4, the code community construction contract or whatever beforehand, I would have realized, no, no, no. If I care about this, I would make another pull request that would come in after this one and that would actually address the issue mm-hmm. rather than stymieing this thing and stopping it. I should have just said, yep, merge that sucker and I'll come in and make a new one. Yeah. That, oh man. That would have been better behavior. We me. have a soapbox here and I'm going to use it. So, um, be nice to people in, in open source issues, uh, especially people that are trying to fix them and especially maintainers. This doesn't apply directly if you're trying to contribute, but if you have an issue, if you find something broken and then you Google and you find an issue that says this is broken and people are saying like, we're working on it. Uh, please don't yell at those people or call them names or tell mm-hmm. them that they're bad people. It happens sometimes where people just seem really entitled and angry because they're feeling pain, right? Like it's breaking their yeah, work or they're behind sure. on a deadline. But yeah. the, the right way to express that pain is not to say what morons you you maintainers are if you knew what you were yeah. doing. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Like have empathy for, for people that are working for free. I try to imagine myself talking to someone as if they were in the same room or working on my team with me and someone I was going to have to talk to a lot. Um, I try to get in that mindset before I comment like that. I try and imagine that they're just the cutest little puppy dog. <laughs> and and then I, I want to like be nice and give them pets instead How of yelling at them. How could I yell at, at and, you? Yeah. Who would kick a puppy dog? No one. <laughs> All right. On that very pleasant note, thank you, Jameson. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Question answered. Yep. One more thing. If you have experiences contributing to open source for the first time or the thousandth time, we would love to hear about those too. But only the one thousandth time. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Two choices. (laughs) (laughs) We were very clear, I thought. (laughs) Yeah. We are programmers. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So send, uh, send those stories in. We'd love to share them with people and, and, and show Mm kind of what happened. I guess I didn't say my very first contribution ever. Maybe I should say that. Oh, yeah. Uh, my first contribution, I was a college student working on this project called SciRuby, which is an attempt to create a scientific um, kind of package for the Ruby programming language. And there was an exception somewhere that it was catching, but it was catching the wrong class of exception. So it was too general, basically. And all I did was change it from catch this most general kind of exception to catch the specific exception that the error is actually related to and Mm -hmm. it was a like 10 character change and it got merged in and it made me feel good awesome Mm -hmm. and it launched your career it launched my career i've made literally some other open source contributions after that (laughs) 
<laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. All right, Jameson, where can people go to find out more about the show? They can go to softskills.audio, our fancy right. website. It That's has right. words, it has sound, it has no pictures. Quadrochromatic design and brutalist design. Yep. All in one. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also a page on there. There will be a page for sponsor info. If you're interested in sponsoring the podcast in reaching developers who care about being good human beings and and uh, figuring out how to be better at their jobs, then um, we, we'd love to talk to you about sponsoring. Yeah. Maybe you work for a company whose name you would like to hear at the beginning of this podcast. Talk to your manager. Are you recruiting people and do you want people that care about soft skills and that care about being good to work with? Yeah. Do you just want our eternal goodwill? Or just that. You can buy that. Yeah, you can buy that. (laughs) It's all for sale. Um, And what if someone wants to ask a question on the show that they would like us to answer? They can send a tweet or direct message to at softskillseng on Twitter. Uh, we mm-hmm. check it pretty regularly and we we throw those questions in the queue. So we would love to talk to you. Thank you so much to everyone who has asked a question. We have so many to go through um, and it's just great. It's Thank a great you. problem to have. Goodbye, everyone. See ya.